I always have to remember that you do that and don't come into the session until I'm 100% composed and ready. <laughs> All our secrets before we start the actual recording. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? Not bad. Freezing my ass off. Yeah, there was a monsoon last night. Did you, or were you asleep? I was very asleep. Uh, I woke up at 2.30. It was like literally the monsoon. Like, what's going on? Like, the old London will get flooded. Oh, we might have snow tomorrow or something. I'm like, oh, yeah, right. Oh, come on, man. It's mo I'm done with this winter. Yeah, that's why we went. I went to Dubai and went to Madrid, right? To get a better weather. I mean, I don't even know how, what weather you had in Madrid, but hopefully a bit better than here. Cold. <laughs> Cold, but it's actually beautiful, except for uh, the final night and it rained, but it was lovely. Good trip, good experience. Oh, I was about to think that you would say the final night of BA. Mm. Uh, rain. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, he warned me that he wanted to do a rant today. I don't know when he's going to come. At some point during this episode, there's going to be a rant, so let's play this. I just want to tell you both good luck. We're all counting on you. Please wish me luck. I will have to endure, <laughs> yeah, Alex. All of you will. Well, you know what? It won't be that bad. I was just frustrated. Uh, we're recording today, the 7th of March, uh, 2023. Uh, a thought for our friends in France. It's a general strike. Oh. I think all the flights from uh, all the airports have been canceled in France. I think there's all the long calls have been canceled by Air France. I think there's like one or two short haul flying. Ugh. Is it worse in Germany um, three weeks ago when, you know, remember there was like the, an outage, an IT outage, plus there was some uh, hacking, plus it was a labor strike, plus it was, I don't know, there was nothing. Yeah. You know, we're complaining in the UK, but it's not that bad, right? No, we, you know, we've had a, a season of strikes this year, which yeah, no, we, for us was unprecedented, but for France, it was just Tuesday. <laughs> 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 okay, let me start with the music for Gen, as always. Gen, I hope it's not raining and you're not on strike. <laughs> So we have uh, an episode chock full of, of stuff. I, I will say before we start, I mean, we started, uh, that I don't know if I can release this today. Maybe I will, maybe I won't, maybe by the end of the week, so we the March, March 7. Uh, I don't know if we're going to be able to do another episode in, in March, however, so I might wait or not. We'll see, we'll see. I'm not calculating days between episodes. We'll start with, I mean, it was a very nice surprise, a review from Kim, whom we mentioned in the last episode. We gave her a shout out. She's uh, Hakan's um, neighbor. That was so cool. And she gave us five star on iTunes, on Apple Podcast. Uh, the only podcast that an AV geek needs. That's very nice. That is nice. Yeah. She, she says that she's been listening to layovers for years. As that young girl would just love to go to the airport to be with the planes, I knew immediately when I listened to Paul and Alex that I f had found like-minded folks. This podcast has been a source of fantastic resources and insights. Alex pandemic travel made me aware of the Plane Finder app, and that kept me hopeful when the skies were not as full of planes as they had previously been. The guests are amazing, especially my neighbor, Hakan. <laughs> that was such a great little coincidence. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> And I love the informal format of two good friends talking about their shared love of travel, aviation, and adventures, exploring new and familiar destinations. While I join other reviews in wishing for more episodes, 
I love the wonderfully unexpected treat when I am notified that there is a new one. Thanks so much, Paul and Alex. You guys are the best. Keep doing great things. Oh, that's very, very kind. Yeah, honestly, that's, that's so, 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 so nice. And we had also on uh, Twitter from... Uh, Pierre Guy C, I guess that's your Twitter handle, maybe. I said it in a French way, but I'm not sure. So it's uh, PGC, uh, just in time. So that was as a reply to our previous episode. Just in time for my next flight today. Thank you, Paul and Alex. Each episode is a pure joy to listen to. So grateful for your infectious passion and your work on this podcast. Wow. Infectious passion. I like that. Yeah, I like that. And... Uh, a lot of work. Do I do a lot of work, actually? I don't know. Yeah, you do a lot no. of work on this. No, I was not fishing for compliment, Alex. It was not the point. <laughs> no, no, I don't. No, I think it's absolutely true. This is a, a labor of love. Oh, I'm no, I'm blushing. You cannot see that because it's not live. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. And we missed, um, I missed on Instagram. So it was, you know, on Instagram, you can get tagged. Uh, on a picture, and I hadn't seen that. We had been tagged. That's that dates back from late last year, actually. But it's uh, it's a picture of somebody listening to our episode one two zero. So Yule, mm. Canadian episode. I've never been to Canada. You've never been to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> uh, from uh, FKD, so f- top <laughs> scientists, and uh, he or she, I guess, is a he, but I'm not sure is flying over Guyana, so south of mm. Venezuela. And I think the end destination is Lima, if I'm not mistaken. So I don't know you guys, but guys, you're a single person. I don't know you, but it was very nice to, to, to tag us. And let us know if that's Lima you ended up. I've never been to Lima, have you, Alex? No, I've never been. Yeah. Not yet. I uh, might be going somewhere in the region this year, but I'm not sure yet. It's, it's really up in the air as my friend George Clooney would say. Uh, <laughs> Bless you. <laughs> I hope I was muted. You were. That would have been deafening otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> Another friend, that's not a review, but uh, uh, we're thinking of him, Matt, at Drink Matt on Matt, mm. Matthew Drinkwater. So the poor sod is, um, he was supposed to go to Japan in for the next holidays. So when is that? Like next month. Imminently, yeah. That's a trip that has been in the works since uh, 2019, maybe early 2020. And we all know what happened. And uh, everything was booked. Everything was fine. And uh, it was on SAS. And then suddenly SAS, he received a text. And, uh, well, your flights have been canceled. Because apparently they changed the schedule. And now they do, like, uh, only, I think, once a week to Haneda instead of maybe twice to wherever. I don't. I don't know the details. Of course, he's. Uh, it's not. It's not fun, especially because the kids were also very uh, looking forward to go, yeah. and then suddenly we cannot accommodate another flight this uh, in the same period. So it will have to be for another another time. Uh, the reason I mentioned that is that it has happened to a few other friends who had recently their flights uh, cancelled, and. We both know, but I think it's nice that we talk about it for like 20 seconds because we have a long show. The reason that happens, the operational changes happen probably a bit more these days than they used to, is that the industry cannot rely on historical data for the moment. They are a little bit flying blind as to know where are people going, when are they going. The corporates are not really traveling fully yet. And thus, they are making more changes than they used to because the historical data is completely biased or absent. 
and I think that sadly uh, they cannot. So suddenly, if they see a surge, let's say for Bangkok, and not enough people for Tokyo in that case, I really don't know if that's the case for SAS here. Well, they just have economically to do so. But then, of course, if you're a passenger, you're unhappy because you get cancelled. So that's why it's happening. It seems to be happening a lot for the summer. Yeah, and as you, and as you say, the, um, the, the they all have a lot of planes parked all over the world, and it's not like they can go quick. Let's go grab one out of the desert to fill that capacity because it takes a lot longer than that. I'd love to know how involved that process is, but you and me would totally do that. That should be our job, just yeah, grabbing aircrafts out of the desert. Yeah. Yeah, there's com- there's I mean those companies just kind of boomed during the yeah. pandemic uh, in Southern California and Australia and I think in Spain and parts of France as well. So it would be interesting to know that. But yeah, it's it's a it is a bit of a nightmare scenario for the airlines because as you say they've got nothing to go on and and I think hopefully this well, it's not. I can tell you as a fact, it's not going to change the way they do things, but um <laughs> you'd, you'd hope that the way that they forecast may change as a result of this, but we'll have to see. Yeah, I think it will take. It's like uh, Ed, our friend Ed Parsons said, the machine needs restarting. And uh, it's not that giving a free mm. pass. I know as a passenger, it's, it, it sucks if you get canceled. I, I mean, thank God it hasn't happened to me yet. However, I also understand that they need to do all these operation changes, sometimes reallocating aircraft to other routes, etc., because they see like there's a softer demand on some destination they thought would work. And then, you know, so it's uh, so, so I'm not giving them a free pass, but I think it's understandable that they have to do so. Uh, since we're in Japan, um, oh, yeah, we're doing a few news before we go to our both our travels, especially the rent of Alex. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, JAL is buying, is ordering, uh, is buying the 350-1000. It's quite something because JAL never had anything else in Boeing. Yeah. It's the yeah. first time they, they, they will have uh, something else, obviously, the something else being Airbus. Um, I, I think it's only fair uh, that companies are trying to load balance between the two and working out the competition. But it's still something that, that has happened. Yeah, and it seems like the more that I've read and just in the periphery about Boeing lately, they just can't deliver yeah. on what they have their 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 order logbook. Yeah, with all of these issues that keep keep coming up. Even there was a new one today with the fuel system or fuel tanks for the seven sixty seven and the oh. military tanker version of the seven sixty seven. So they can't deliver. Then there was the the production stopped on the Dreamliner for yeah twice. Uh, it really stopped like a uh, like a two weeks ago again or something. I yeah. So it's it's uh, you can see why airlines are looking to Airbus, who may be able to, who may also have similar problems. We just don't hear about them as much, yeah. but also may be able to say, you know, they've got a two and a half year delay. We only have a year delay. Which mm-hmm. are you going to take? And I think that's probably why they're gla- they're glancing in uh, in in the direction. And the triple seven X is delayed oh. until twenty fourteen. I'm kidding, obviously, yeah, yeah. but we don't know. Basically, we don't know it's going to come up. So the the rumor is that this will include uh, a new first class one one one. So like on Emirates triple seven or on Cathay. These are still very rare. Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen, but yeah, that's cool. Uh, and yes, I know, uh, because I mentioned these two, I need to and I will commit to do it this year. I will review on this show my flight with um, Cathay on first in 2019. And and I absolutely need that, the Emirates first in the 777 with that most amazing seat, because I think that's worth 
a few minutes. I'll do that this Definitely. year. Definitely. At some point when I don't travel, I will. I will. I promise you guys. Um, uh, Japan Airlines, since I'm on them, is also expecting to move its operation to T8 in a JFK in May. Ah, so the the One World yeah. fortress is, is really, really coming together there. The group hug. Yeah, yeah. I wonder... I'm going back through T8 in yes, just a couple of weeks, and I'm I need to spend a bit more time poking around at the facilities there, because all I could and I mentioned it on the last episode that lounge is great. I'm looking forward to going back. However, I want to see it at capacity, and I think it would be uncomfortable. And I cannot remember. Ah. If there are other lounges in there, I'm sure if you guys know, just let, let me know before I go. I'm, I'm just curious because it would feel cramped, I think, otherwise. Yeah, there are three lounges you mentioned, right? There's, well, sort of. There's a business class lounge, there's a, there's a first class lounge, and then there's the equivalent of the, of the Concord room. So the Concord room, I can't ma- imagine, makes that much of a dense dent in capacity. Yeah. And like I said, the physical footprint of those two other lounges is nothing compared to the two. Well, actually, if you if you think about it, it's more than two business class lounges at T5, isn't it? Because you have the ones in the satellite piers as well. Yeah. So it's four business class lounges and one first class lounge. Yeah, I think so. Four. Four plus one. Yeah. So, right. But that's why I want to have a little bit of a poke around when I go next month, just to see what the, what the situation is. And I appreciate that Jal... Qatar, uh, I guess Finnair, and those guys—they're only going to have one or one maybe two flights a day. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. They're not going to have a huge impact. But then, if you think about how many times American and BA fly out of there, it'll be interesting to see. But I'm, you know, I'm I'm confident that they've th- they've thought about that. Yeah, actually, can't wait for next episode when, um, which we'll record when you return from New York because I've I've lived through the various adventures of you trying to book and make choices of how you would go there and how you would go back. Oh. So I don't even have the definitive answer of exactly what you've done. And that's going to be the surprise for next show. Massively overthinking this, but yeah. I, I have a hint that it might be slightly different than uh, what you did last time. Yes. There you go. That, that is a certainty. The rest of it is all still to George Clooney at up in the air. <laughs> Jal also um, recently introduced a new ethical choice for passengers when you are, um, after booking, when you make your various choices, you can skip the meal. So if you're planning to sleep, instead of choosing a meal, you can also choose to skip the meal. Of course, the ethical bit is a bit probably uh, marketing, although mm-hmm. although they are saying that for every person that skips their meal because they're planning to sleep, for instance, they will give a donation to a program that offers free meals for school in um, some countries, like probably emerging countries. So that that's very nice. So that's ethical, obviously. What do you think about that? That's purely a cost-saving exercise. <laughs> And I think we're all we're all very acutely aware of these things now. Like we can see right through greenwashing, yeah. all of that stuff. Uh, yeah. And it's good because we're calling out organizations that are half-assing initiatives. I'm not saying this is. Ha- I haven't read enough, so I can't comment on this particular one. But yeah. uh, it feels on the face of it, you know, I, I, I am. Uh, I get disproportionately irritated by food waste. So I that's can. exactly what I was about to mention. There are some numbers that actually, you know, uh, I forgot to mark them down. I, was, I think it was IATA. There's a lot of food waste. It's like yeah. uh, so up to 20% of um, 
what gets in a flight, I think it not gets eaten or not even touched at all. Um, yeah. So in that sense, if you know for sure that you're going to sleep, yeah. And you can request not to have the meal. Why not? Uh, thank God, Jal says that you still gonna have, you know, um, drinks and you know the peanuts and whatever. The, so the, the snacks. You not skip the meal doesn't mean not gonna mm. give you anything. But you don't get. A, by the way, because I, of course that's a question. You don't get a fair reduction because you decide not to have the food. So it's really just mm. because you don't want the food. You're not gonna get like ten percent off because you decided not to have the food, right? So that, yeah, that I don't know how I feel about that. I think. There's been a number of occasions, especially on red eyes from the East Coast, where I just want to go straight to sleep, and I would happily forego the meal. Yeah. And it's no yeah. skin off my back, whether it goes, just as long as it reduces race, anything else is gravy. Yeah. I do agree. <laughs> it, ah. <laughs> uh, you really have to restart Mastication Nation after that one. That's that a, a great fun right there. Uh, I don't know if that was part of the plan, surely not. But similarly, Jal recently that made the headlines and made me laugh. There was this uh, person that flew business class on Jal on a long haul in Asia. I think it was Tokyo to somewhere in Southeast Asia. Uh, asked for a vegan meal and was served a single banana. <laughs> you know, I, I, I thought that was quite sweet, the way that they uh, presented it on a tray. And <laughs> it was perfect, man. It was beautiful. What's the, I cannot remember the Japanese word for the presentation of things like that, but it was very in the spirit of that. But also, like, Japanese cuisine in, in the broadest sense of the, of the word is, leans very heavily on vegetables. Yeah. I, I, there must have been some kind yeah, of, no, like, was the meal not loaded? And yeah, probably. They, they, were, they didn't want to give the passenger nothing. Uh, but it I'm was sure, very sweet. I'm sure. The excellent bit about this is how the passenger reacted because the passenger was not angry whatsoever. The passenger said, and I have the two quotes here. Uh, first said, I don't remember if it was uh, she or he, said, um, it was a really good banana. He mm. took it with a, with a smile. And then added, it was cute of the crew to serve the banana with chopsticks. <laughs> <laughs> That's it is sweet. I mean, there was no lack of effort there, clearly. No, clearly not. Yeah, exactly. I, I've, I, I'm very good with chopsticks. I've never tried a banana with chopsticks, however. No, I think that's that my challenge be, for this month. You'd have to have some pretty strong fingers to be able to do that. I know that. Man, I'm talking about this, makes us miss uh, Japan. Mm. Haneda has, uh, will introduce, will open uh, Haneda Airport Garden. Mm. which will be connected to Terminal 3, I think. It's a, it, it has a rooftop spa. There's going to be a onsen with, I think, four different uh, bathing zones and, and shops and restaurants. It's part of a hotel complex. So um, mm. I understand that part of it will be open to the public. Part of it will you'll have to be a checked-in guest uh, 24 hours a day. Uh, that's very cool. That's, that's an, another cool. version of a, a, a garden. We have uh, now the one in Singapore. We have the one in Doha. This one is outdoor. It's very probably different, but that's that's cute that they do that. It's a great idea. Yeah, it's a great yeah. idea. I can't wait to get back to Japan. Yeah, man. You know what? I was thinking the other day, there's parts of me that is pushing it back. Of course, first, because I want to make it count. I don't want to go for five days and come back. So I need to have like an actual period when I can go for longer. And also when prices are not crazy like they are right now. So mm. that will push it to the end of the year. But also there's something, it's the only time for like, I don't know, 15 years, whatever, 
when I want to feel that when I will go, Japan, it will be like a new country. So the kind of, you know, there's this mm-hmm. anticipation. The more I wait, not that I'm going to wait for five years, obviously, the more it feels that I would have not gone for, let's say, five years at some point. And maybe, you know, especially Tokyo changes so fast, like new buildings and new stuff, that it will feel so fresh. So yeah. there's parts of me that... That's a great point. Don't want to rush there. I don't know. I'm, I'm, maybe I'm I just... I have missing. the same yeah. feeling about Hong Kong, but in a negative way that I will. it will have changed beyond all recognition. Uh, are you planning to go back this year? I'd like to. Yeah. I don't have any firm plans at the moment, but yeah. it's an ambition, I think. Yeah. Another way to go to, to Asia is obviously via Finnair. And the reason I mentioned that is because one of our very loyal listeners, Michael Lepa, did try, that was end of last year, but I, I never had the chance to talk about it, did try the new Finnair seat, you know, that uh, new business class mm. seat. Um, and it's the flattest flat seat. And I love the way he puts it, because it's not a seat trying to be a bed. That's true. Yeah. It's a flat area and a backrest. It's still a millimeter game. Walls will be touched, but it still won me over. Uh, one more obvious life hack from the return flight. Bulkhead seats have larger footwells. So it's still angled, but the difference of being able to sleep to turn both ways versus only one way in a non-bulkhead seat is great. So, yeah. So he's, uh, he's, he's won over. I really want to try that. Yeah, me too. And it, it, it was still, it was a polarizing product when it launched. Just, yeah. I think, conceptually. But now that people are able to travel on it and experience on it, I think there are some detractors. They, those still remain. Yeah. But those who have, those who are not passenger experience experts uh, and have experienced a broad uh, yep. spectrum of business class seats are yeah. saying similar things. And honestly, I mean, first, it makes sense for the weight. We mentioned it. There's not a lot of, um, you know, engines and motors that mm-hmm. make you the seat work. And that's the thing. The seat will work. You know, it's like the seat will, oh, we're sorry. We need to reset it or, and, or, oh, the engine is too old to work. Like I had on Emirates like, <laughs> a few months ago. I mean, there's a lot of benefit. And it kind of also works with a kind of whole feel. Maybe, okay, here's a cliche I'm going to use, but the Scandinavian approach to design. Yeah. I know some people will say Finland is not part of Scandinavia, but, you know, that's a long discussion. But the point is, I think it worked. I mean, I'm really looking forward to try it. I am too. I am too. It was a very... And I think every now and then you have somebody who does a revolutionary approach to a seat concept as opposed to just these small iterations or or basically rebadging an off-the-shelf seat concept, which we see so often. And actually, frankly, I think is fine because you have the availability of parts which we know has scuppered BA's A380 reintroduction yeah. just this supply chain issue for parts and yeah when you have seats like this i think as we've said the complexity is reduced but also it may get people thinking slightly differently for their next iteration of business class and i think that's always exciting yeah and uh, and as someone who likes to kind of cross my leg over the seat whatever i think that will send me like in, be like in a kind of loungy mm-hmm, me too uh yeah um uh this is why i used to appreciate the the very large singapore airline oh, seat yeah. beautiful i know it i also he had these detractors because it was a weird way to make it a bed and he had to be like angled and whatever and i was told as well so i had to kind of sleep in diagonal but the fact that it was kind of loungy i really appreciated it yeah man. it was clever 
Yeah, so um, I, will, I will. So last time I went to Japan, I went again with that uh, uh, Emirates uh, first. I'm not going to do it today, guys. Um, that was the, the Formula One seat on the 777. But previously, previous than that, it was in, in summer 2019. When I went, I used um, Lufthansa and I was in first on a 748. Mm. That triggers two things that I want to talk before we move on to our travels. First, the new first class, the new business class of Lufthansa, and then the 747. Let's start with the, the the first class of Lufthansa. I think the reason, I mean, we don't always talk about every single introduction of new seats and et cetera, et cetera. The reason I think this one is significant, besides that Lufthansa, come on, guys, it's been a long time, dude, that you had to change your... Uh, it's that it's the first real new product post-COVID. I think it's the first... Yeah. You know, like we've, I mean, clearly it has been planned before. It's not something that they just started thinking about like six months ago, mm -hmm. but it's a big, first big, big product launch of, of since the pandemic. Africa, yes, uh, Emirates has done, you know, the refer the refreshment, but that's still a refreshment. They still the same seats better, but the same seats. Virgin has extended the door and Air France has a slightly better Saffron seat, but they still very feel very similar to what you find on BA Club Suite, et cetera, or, or Delta, whatever. This one is like completely new, both in business and in 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 first and i think that's that's significant i mean uh, i don't know if we'll be lucky if i'll be ever lucky to fly again on first with with uh, or, or even business with uh, with um, lufthansa now that i'm losing my status there um they finally shown the product it was in berlin uh, that's the one that's going to be introduced in their 350 um 350 seems to be for them to be their um flagship mm -hmm. clearly they're looking at it as being the flagship um, uh, it's going to only have three first-class suites, one, one, one. But I say one, one, one. If you you've also looked at at the, the seat itself, it feels like the middle one can accommodate two people. Yeah, it, so it's one, two, one. But if you're, it's not going to be someone you don't know. But it has to be someone you know because there's only one door for two, so it only opens on the left side. So it's either Megan and you, or you, or just Megan, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah. it's not Megan and Paul. That would make no sense. No, it's a, it's a, you're right. And I think because there's so few seats, I think that they have, that's kind of a selling point, isn't it? It was like those yeah. Singapore Airlines ones, but it's, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a pretty in, in, intense design. <laughs> that's the term. And it looks <laughs> like a, it looks when they reduce the, the frame of the shots that they are presenting, it yeah. looks like something you would, a space you would see on the ground. Yeah, uh, like a like a pod hotel, an upscale pod hotel, and I think it's it's very 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 impressive. Yeah, it is. Um, it looks it looks different as well. I mean, I mean, of course, of course, it's easier to look different in first class. All the first classes have have their own, you know, per quirks and perks and different across different airlines who do them. But yeah, doors up to the sky. So really, it looks really nice. The, the, mm. I'm 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 still. If I had that kind of money to always spend first class, I'm, I don't, and I'm with my better half, I still wish that they had put two doors on that middle seat because it means that the person who sleeps on the right will have to step over the other to exit mm. to the lavatory and to get a drink, which is not very firsty classy type of design. I, but maybe I, there's a reason, I don't know. I'm sure that there was a huge debate about that in the design process there was some sure. physical limitation 
and they they've they've tried to PR around it, but everybody, of course, has picked up on it. And if you look at the, I think you sent it to me, and we both had the exact same comment. One of the renders that they put out when they announced this product was a top-down look of yeah. the bis, business class cabin, right? Okay, yeah, go go on because I was about to move to the business class. Yeah, and it looked so intricate, oh my complex. I mean, it was it was beautiful in its, in its complexity if you didn't have to maintain it. exactly. I mean, there's like because there's so many different yeah, angles, angles and iterations, and, and not a single seat resembles another. Basically. No, and it's that's crazy. It is. Uh, you would have thought that m- maybe with our amateur eyes we're missing that it's all modular it's all the same components probably all of you know and it's all really easy to replace one piece with another piece we're just not seeing Seeing that i i I hope that that's the thinking behind it and that it doesn't cause major dispatch reliability issues or welcome aboard i'm sorry your seat doesn't recline (laughs) for 12 hours because that's the thing it's it's okay since we are in business class now they they have, I think, I, I counted, there must be at least 14 options because the two, and I'm not going to go every single one of them, but the one in the front are like now they do, like on Virgin, on JetBlue, Mint, you know, they have like, because there's more room, they created a larger space and they added even higher doors. Mm. So the the seats in the front have higher doors in, in business class, the, the seats in the rest of the cabin. For why? I don't know. Maybe it's a selling point. Maybe they're, they're going to upsell those. Mm. Uh, and you can also create like a double, like a room. Again, you and Megan together, it becomes a suite in the middle or a single if you're by, by the by the room. And that's by the, the window. And, and these beds are pretty large. And then you have two throne seats. So seats that are where you're by yourself and you have like on both sides, like a working desk, if you want. There's, of course, the window seats. There's, a, there's two seats that have extra long bed so you can choose if you're tall like me or tall like you maybe you want to, cho- to see that as extra long bed there's also one that is specially done for bassiness so if you have a baby or a cot with a privacy window added on top there's a double seat in the last row which is not the same double seat that you and megan would have in the first row which uh is smaller but can also lower the middle so you can have like a feeling of being but there's no door and then there's a regular seat and then you add that on both sides because you have, you know, I on the left, on the right, and there's two cabins. So there's at least 14 options. I just don't, I mean, in, simply as a pass, as an AV geek, you and me, let's, let's say that we were to fly this. I would both love it to discover every single seat and hate it that every single time I have to make a choice. It's not anymore about, oh, window or not. It's like, mm. which of the seat do I want on this seat map? <laughs> That's a great point. And, and Johnny, the designer, I mean, he obviously has a, a great take on this. And he was saying, he was tweaking the press release that came from the seat manufacturer. Okay. It was, it was cute, basically saying that they have, uh, where, where is it, um, with Allegris, which is the, the name of the product line. Yeah. Yeah. The freedom of choice for business class guests has never been greater. And he's written, he's crossed out greater and written more complicated. <laughs> Travelers can choose between six additional seat options, depending on whether they want an extra long bed, extra space, a work area, a seat with the baby bassinet. Yeah, I mean, a double seat. I mean, it's great because compared to what they had, and also, let's let's be honest, compared to the competition, they really have... 
like a long, extra long bed, high doors, blah. It's just that it adds to the complexity of choosing. I'm wondering if they will price them differently or not. I don't have any idea. It will be yeah. very complicated if they do. But uh, And you have to yeah. imagine that the airlines are full of engineers whose responsibility it will be to maintain these seats. Yeah. And <laughs> Poor guys. I hope that they had a seat at the table. A seat at the table. For these conversations and pushed back. Which seat did they have at the table? Which are the options? Well, yeah, did they, did they have the long one? Did they have to pay more <laughs> to get that seat? <laughs> and pushed back and said, look, you are, I, this is a beautiful seat. It's comfortable. It's going to sell well. People are going to go nuts for it. But this is going to cause delays. Yeah, maybe. For the following reasons. I, well, I hope not. At least at the beginning, they will be brand new, or maybe they will be, I don't know. Imagine if they have to reset a seat and each reset button is different in each seat and the crew has to be <laughs> taught how to reset a seat on every single. Anyway, um, in premium economy, it's the same premium economy that was already introduced on, on Swiss. I haven't tried it, but it looks really nice, uh, you know, with these uh, hard shells, so mm. you don't recline over the person behind you. And in economy, you will be able to pay to have the the seat free next to you and you could even buy the entire row like a la air new zealand to have a bed uh, they haven't announced the pricing but it's nice to know that these options will exist apparently in uh, oh yeah in business class all i love this kind i love and i hate these kind of press releases all seats are equipped with a heating and cooling system giving business class travelers the flexibility to set their own temperature in a very humane centric i'm like what oh, basically you have a button and you can choose a temperature yeah i mean it's nice to be able to do so i did that on emirates first how effective it, it is it's a different question but anyway so yeah it looks like a, a great product in swiss two weeks later no a week later announced swiss senses which is basically the exact same seats across the entire cabin so whether you're an economy premium uh, first or, or business of course it's part of the same group so uh, instead of being blue in um first class it's going to be bordeaux um so of course closer to the red of switzerland i guess the only difference and i uh, the if you're interested, if you're curious, Swiss has actually released a seat map of their 333, where you can see how these the entire cabin will look like. And I can already tell you that if you fly economy, choose 29D. You're not going to have the window. You're not going to have any seat in front of you. So you're going to have like a extra long seat in economy. Uh, 2060, pardon me. 2060 is the one you have <laughs> to choose. There you go. Uh, uh, by the way, on, on Lufthansa, the planes that will not get a refurb means the planes that will be abandoned is the 34600. I know you, I think you like that one. That thing that takes forever and ever and ever to take off. <laughs> Actually, they all do, don't they? Let's be honest. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that one, so that one is going to be replaced at 350, which is going to be clearly there, the flagship of uh, the Lufthansa Group. The 34300. Will stay. Will stick a little bit longer with the with the fleet, but will be sunsetted eventually. Mm. And the three thirty three of Lufthansa will leave Lufthansa and go to Eurowings Discover. It's an airline that I discovered that I didn't know that Eurowings now has a long haul product. <sighs> I was doing a search recently to go, and that's going to be maybe the trip I'm going to do later this year. So I'm not going to not going to spoil it. But I was. It's only a find this. Like, what is EV Discover, and they're like, oh, Eurowings does a long-haul product. It looks pretty cool. It's basically more leisure-type destinations that Lufthansa 
won't do and they gave them to Eurowings, which is a subsidiary, I guess, more, it's not low cost, but I guess it's more low cost E compared to Lufthansa. So yeah, so you, you'll have uh, some uh, 333 there. And they undecided, uh, Lufthansa said there, I haven't decided yet if you're going to refurbish the 380 or not. That Lufthansa group is getting Huge. complicated. Yes, I know. I was about to get there. There's so many brands. There's so many brands and there's so much overlap. It would it feels like in terms of their their market because what you're des- describing sounds like what Edelweiss does in a in a are they? Yeah, so Edelweiss in Switzerland is the counterbalance to Swiss exactly. So Edelweiss is more leisure destinations. Edelweiss do they do long haul? Yeah, they do. Utakana and stuff like that. South Africa. And yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. then you have, because Condor is no longer anything to do with... Lufthansa, I don't think so. Thomas no. Cook, and then it was all... Yeah, but exactly. There's the, the, Although the logo looks very similar, strikingly similar to Lufthansa, which always confuses me. But they, yeah, I mean, they have... It's a, There's a lot going on with that with that group, <laughs> and I think... The German leisure market, I know, is is it's huge, disproportionately yeah, it's huge. huge compared to yeah, the population. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can understand yeah. why. But I think it's 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 great for us. I mean, you 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 want to run through uh, some of those to some of those leisure destinations and run through Frankfurt. I know you wouldn't do that, but some of us who haven't been emotionally scarred by Frankfurt would would probably do that. You know, for price reason, I would go to Frankfurt and to have something to say on this podcast. As well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the uh, the the fact that these leisure airlines are, are getting better premium economy and some of them are, are getting actual business classes and not, you know, business class which is premium economy. I mean, first is a sign that, you know, leisure market is also going upscale, so some people just, you know, want to have a, a treat themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for instance, I could. The reason I was looking at the Eurowings Discover is that I can use Lufthansa miles on Eurowings Discover. So I'm saying, oh, there are destinations that I couldn't reach otherwise because you know how it is. How basically British Airways and Virgin clearly serve what used to be the British colonies, and uh, the French do the same, and all these countries in mm-hmm. Europe have a special like Spain does. You know, serves Latin America, right? So, which is why it's great for IAG to have both the British mm-hmm. and the, the Spanish. Probably. Yeah, if you want to go to Reunion, you're going to go on Air yeah. France. Air France, exactly. Yeah. You have maybe some other solution, but the Germans didn't have that many colonies, and they offer a wide range of destinations. Some of them are not covered, but a, a, a pretty wide range of destinations for a single group. And suddenly I can say, oh, I can use Eurowings Discover, and I can, maybe can go in premium economy instead of going in an economy for, for a holiday. And it's going to be nice. Mm. It's not going to be like crappy Premeco because it's a 20-year-old plane that nobody wanted anymore and they just took it over, right? So I like that. I do too. I do too. And those leisure airlines in Germany have got phenomenal products. Condor's yes. new business class is the same seat as the new Lufthansa one. It's amazing. They came out first. You know, on Eurowings Discover, you'll get the current business class from Lufthansa, which has been criticized, but it's still a, an actual business class when you have a life-fly seat. If you 
want to go to I don't know wherever for and you want to do it as a treat and have business class and a life life seat you can yeah. whereas before you couldn't which is what I'm pretty happy about I yeah. don't know if I'm going to really try any of those but maybe your your wings discover um, they they also going to have those seats uh, Lufthansa to get back to the new seats in the I mean Lufthansa the Lufthansa group I should say mm. because they're redistributing the, the, the aircraft in the Dreamliners as well it's narrower though the Dreamliner than the 350 so I'm not sure the, the only designs we saw were the designs for the 350 and the 330 the, the Dreamliner is narrower so I don't know what type of uh, compromises they will have to do on some seats but we'll see they retrofit as well existing 350s they retrofit the 748 it'll be very fascinating to see what they're going to do in the 748 because that's really wide so they could actually play a lot with i don't know the first i've done i've done the first class which is the current first class which you're on 748 so you are on the lower deck and you're in the nose basically it's fantastic it's doesn't have doors whatever but it's really pretty private i'm wondering how they're going to retrofit that into that space i have no idea how this is going to work um so yeah i mean it's going to be fascinating to see like a brand new product being rolled out everywhere they're really spending a lot of money there they also are expanding their orders so they added more 350 1000 350s, 900s and dream miners they have also of course a triple seven x which they're waiting forever but that means that they have on order at least 100, 110 new aircrafts. So they're really wow. revamping the entire fleet. They, yeah, that's a heck of an investment. I mean, I think that they right? had a pretty crappy 2010s, and now they're, I think, finally coming out of the, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, exactly. this year has not started well for them, but I think all things considered, that was just a blip and otherwise an upwards trajectory. And they bought, I mean, or have they, are they waiting for regulatory approval? They're buying ITA, the Italians. Ugh, how, I feel like we've been talking about that <laughs> since the very first episode of this podcast. <laughs> but I was going to add, so I'm wondering, I mean, yeah, they have, a, for context, guys, Austrian, Brussels Airlines, Lufthansa, of course, Edelweiss, Swiss, Eurowings, German Wings, Dolomiti. I don't know what they're doing with Dolomiti because Dolomiti doesn't seem to get any any of these aircraft that we're talking about. Dolomiti is kind of this weird, exact like Pluto. He's like, is it a planner or not? Is Dolomiti part of the group or is it like this weird thing? But maybe I'm thinking, would they fold Dolomiti within ETA? Oh, that's a good point. Maybe. That's a great maybe. point because it's, they have, I mean, the name is no secret. <laughs> they have a lot of destinations in Italy. So that actually is a very, very good point. Which yeah. which brand will survive? Yeah, exactly. Anyway, we'll see. The um, Now, the second bit that I mentioned that uh, I said, let's look for Lufthansa first, is a 747. Mm. The reason I'm mixing these two together is because we were discussing about the 747-400 and I completely blipped. But Lufthansa is actually flying eight or nine of 747-400 Currently, I see him over my house from time to time. I, I just went this morning and I saw one to Bangalore, Bangalore, um, one JFK, one to Delhi, and one to AID. So Dallas, they're not going to be refurbished, but they're not scrapping them either for the moment. So you still have a chance, people who love the 7400 to fly them. I haven't flown them for a while, this one with Lufthansa, but I think it's a pretty okay product. If you're lucky enough to fly first, it's the very weird but very fun seat when you have both a seat with a 
bed next to you. So you, you know, you're sat, you're looking at your TV, and then on your left or on your right, depending on which side of the aircraft you have, you have a seat, so you can you have a bed, so you can simply move like very lazily, stand up, sleep, and go back to your seat. There are two different things, but they attach to each other, and they're not uh, they're not scrapping them for the moment. No, it's it's great, and and Zan Marcan on Twitter messaged yeah. me to say that they are putting them back on the Palma what route so Frankfurt to Palma two hours and a 747 400 that's that destination is so popular with the Germans and he linked an article from Airways magazine that had all of these tips to make sure that you book the right flight so you get the full <laughs> business class product nice I am totally absolutely yeah. one billion percent going to do that <laughs> because 747 400 oh please do yeah because I think besides that, I think Asiana gave up. Air China might still have them, but I don't even fly them internationally. That's the, the otherwise there's no way to fly a seven four four. Yeah, just I mean as a passenger, right? So um, Lufthansa is your best bet, and it's for us in Europe. It's close, so yeah. And um, I wanted to talk about the seven four seven because you went to Arlanda. Yes. And we talked about that in the last or the previous to last episode. And we didn't, I didn't ask you, what do you think about the 747 hotel that is next to the airport? Somebody else mentioned that on the comments of my little Stockholm vlog that I did for Attaché. Oh. Like they asked me if I, th th uh, and I saw it as we were driving back to Orlando yeah. and I saw you it. You can see it clearly. And it yeah. just made me sad. I thought it was. Oh disrespectful almost it just seems really it seems wrong it seems wrong i think i can't remember if i've mentioned this on the podcast before but my view is they should either be scrapped completely uh -huh. or yeah. they should be preserved and they should be preserved as close to how they were in the wild as possible <laughs> i think these the you know and and that includes things like taking the cockpit section off or like they have yeah. at uh at hiller aviation museum in, in california but that section is preserved as it was that's a 747 100 or the engines and things like that but i think when you bastardize them and turn them into a bar or a hotel or something it just feel i don't know it just feels sad and wrong that this venerable old lady has been you know, hoard out as some awful hostel for smelly backpackers. I just think it's wrong. I don't. I, li I don't like it. I don't like it. Which is why I, <laughs> no, I get didn't it. include it. I get it. I get it. No, because I, f I forgot to 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 talk about it because I I saw it the last time for me was 2018. Whenever I even hesitated to spend one night there because it's, it's it is contrary to some what some believe is it is an actual 747 that transformed hotel. It's yeah. not like some piece of plywood. That no, they no, make it's look the real like deal. A 747. And you can even sleep. I think there's one room that is in the cockpit or in the top or whatever or something. Uh, it wasn't convenient for. I was staying just anyway. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. I didn't do it. I I I might not have as a strong view as you, but I do get it. I understand. However, it's not recent, so it's not part of the recent um, recent uh, abandonment of seven four seven. This has been there for a little while already. Quite a long time, I think. Yeah, a little while. But yeah, I, I understand. Fair enough. I do understand. I don't know how well preserved, I mean, inside, clearly not, because these are rooms. Mm. Outside, I just saw it from the highway, so I'm not exactly sure how well preserved it is. No, me neither. 
But yeah, okay. Well, I just wanted to that could we reminisced last time of our seven four seven stories, and I thought that this one, even though it's another reminiscence, uh, it was important to mention. Um, yeah. Oh, by the way, because I had who mentioned that to me. Yeah, I, the one of course story that I, I didn't mention, but I'm not going to do because it's on one o seven is. Clearly, my biggest memory of the seven four seven is seeing the one that was carrying the shuttle. Oh, yeah, uh, I forgot you saw that Cap Canaveral in nineteen seventy nine or nineteen eighty. Unreal. Uh, yeah, that was pre even before they even you know blasted off for the first time. That was a great freaking memory to see the actual plane, the seven four seven, land with that thing on top, and the entire. Uh, driveways so or the entire highway was backed up because everybody was looking and was like what are they looking at and then like oh wow an icon carrying an icon exactly that was something that was quite something um anyway madrid so mad you know what i realized so i was i was doing the notes yesterday for this show like a few notes like you see guys i'm, I'm following a, a thread otherwise we're gonna just ramble on and um i was like okay so alex has been to madrid i've been to dubai We've done these airports many times. Which airport should we choose this time? And what I do in these situations, I go like, what is the one we did the longest time ago? And we can reuse that because we can kind of update our views. You know what? I didn't realize we never did Madrid as an airport. What? We never did Madrid. Really? <laughs> Given no. how frequently we both go there. I don't understand. Probably as long as these airports, I will do one day, but we had so many others oh, to do. Funny. And because I have a list, guys, that includes a lot of airports that we've been at and never covered, like, I don't know, Kuala Lumpur. And, and, but Madrid, to have, like you said, spoken about it so many times and not never been. So it's, this episode is Madrid. Madrid, Madrid, Barajas, and not Barrera. So I know you, you've <laughs> seen <in> Barrera, <laughs> Madrid. Guys, it's an inside joke. Alex Barrera, Alejandro Barrera is one of the good friends that Alex just saw there. Um, so yeah, we never did Madrid. So Madrid is going that. to be today the name of the show. And also, I want to quote that article that I sent you from the FT from last time, from Joe Elliott. Um, uh, fair use, guys. If the FT is listening, I'm, I'm not going to quote the entire article. Uh, no, please don't give me a copyright. Every time you try to copy something from the FT, they give you like this. You shouldn't copy. You should link to us. Anyway, uh, I'm going to link to you guys. Um, so the worst airport in the world that the name she gives to Madrid. On an epic yet failed odyssey last week, had a revelation. Sprinting for 40 minutes on disembarkation through arrivals along travelators via a giant car park to a bus on a highway to another terminal and a new set of departures on a further connecting train through the duty-free shop and down an interminable corridor to discover that I had, sadly, and by two minutes missed my next connection, I came to this conclusion, Mad Madrid Barajas is the worst airport in the world. It wasn't the fact that the separate terminals are about as handily located as planets in the solar system, so that in order to get from one to another in a timely fashion, you need to break the speed of light. Nor that the social engineers who designed its mighty architecture conceived a winding pathway to ensure passengers are steered through every tiny dispensary and retail opportunity in order to direct you even further from your flight. No, it was a lack of signage that completely mystified me, not even in Spanish. There were no clues in sight. Travelers are presumably expected to intuit that Terminal 4S is an appendage to Terminal 4 accessed via a secret train that can be located only through employing spidey sensors. 
Yeah. Uh, she she kind of nailed that. She she adds though, and because I'm not going to quote the entire article, it would be too long. She adds that she found an enthusiastic staff member who jogged alongside her to, you know, make her find a way. Apparently, showing her a faster route. Which was through an empty concrete car park. I've never done that route. So if that is a fast... Guys from Madrid, if there's a faster route from 4S to 4 that goes through an empty car park, uh, I want to know about it. We want to know about it because it's always a nightmare. So on that, I'm going to leave now Alex talk about Madrid and his experience there. <laughs> That's just broken my brain because I'm trying to think how that works because you have to go under the... Right. Entire airport, pretty much, to get between 4 and 4S. So, Joe, Joe Elliott from DFT, tell us, I mean, maybe you you were running, so you didn't have time to, you didn't have your spidey senses. You yeah. couldn't like to locate yourself when you were running through that empty car park. But the guy had a badge and made a run. I don't know. Wow. I don't know, man. It also breaks my brain. I don't know. Maybe there's a secret car park under the runway. <laughs> I mean, you think about the, um, <clears throat> the, tra the T5 trains. And you can also, yeah. if you don't want to, you can walk. And it it, it takes a while, but it's not it's not faster. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's not. Those trains are super slow on, on T5, man. Yeah. So I was imagining, maybe let's start where how you went there, <clears throat> airlines, whatever, the usual. Yeah, I'll yeah, let you yeah. speak. I'm going to... Uh, Rant. <laughs> Bless you. I need to clear the vocal cords to... Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I've bigged up this rant, actually. It's not that bad. But we... No, I know. I love Madrid as a city. I like Spain as a country very much. And... I had what the last time that that Megan and I went to Spain, we went to to Valencia and we went through Madrid and our train was very delayed. So we had a credit, which I realized just a few weeks ago was about to expire on oh. uh, the Spanish railway system. So I thought, uh, uh, click, 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 click. Guess what? We're going to Madrid next next weekend. Nice. R used miles. Hardly any avios required, and uh, it was like a one pound in taxes and fees. What? Oh, so that cool. that that bit's easy, yeah. On on BA, and with the intention to go to Toledo, which is just half an hour on the train outside of Madrid, mm -hmm. to the south, beautiful place. I, I'd never been there, but I can tell you now that I've been there, and it is a beautiful place. <laughs> and so we looked at these various flights, and I booked a flight that was due to arrive at about um, six o'clock in the evening. And then I booked a half past eight train from Madrid Atocha station, which is right in the heart of Madrid. Thought that's enough mm -hmm. buffer for any nonsense. Yeah, should be. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and at, we, you know, we know that train station. We we know how that all works and how you get there and how long it should take and all of that. So I felt confident that that was enough. And I, I, Madrid worked really, really well because. It is one of the handful of destinations for BA that is served out of Terminal 3 at Heathrow. Mm -hmm. And I'm now doing my BA gold card farewell tour. <laughs> so I'm trying to experience all of these things that I will no longer have access to. <laughs> and I've realized, I actually, I think now that I've, I've already had my, my last T5 first class wing experience and first class lounge and i just i don't care <laughs> i just don't care right i don't feel i mean you and i have talked about this on whatsapp i don't feel a sense of loss or sadness yeah about that lounge same the wing was good but i don't i don't care but the one thing that i was sad to not experience again was the cafe 
first class lounge in T3, knowing full well that I'm not going to experience the ones in Hong Kong, which have, as we've said on this podcast, are otherworldly. I wanted to find a way. So this was a really happy coincidence. And so we got to T3 in plenty of time. We were hand luggage only, so we just had our boarding passes. And I'd been bigging this lounge up to Megan for ages. And I thought, <laughs> as we walked in, I hope I haven't oversold this. <laughs> and also, I hope it hasn't changed. Yeah. In the pandemic, and right. Cathay obviously are kind of a, a shell of what they used to be. And then I also had a, a twinge of panic as we walked up to the deck. I'm like, am I still allowed to go in here? Is it even open? I hadn't oh, yeah. wanted to read, but of course it was all fine. We get in there. It's quite busy when we arrived because everybody that is one world gold or one world emerald, I should say, which is the BA gold yep. equivalent across the Alliance has figured out that that is easily the best lounge in yeah. the terminal. And I'll come back to yeah. that. So it was full of people on, not just on BA flights, but on American Airlines flights, Finnair flights, anybody, JAL, anybody that had uh, access to that terminal um, was in that lounge. So it was pretty busy, but... Do you, do you, sorry to, to, to interrupt you right there. Do you think Cathay gets something from these other airlines every time a passenger from another airline comes because otherwise it's a money loss i i believe they do i believe they yeah. do and i think that that's a there's a there's an understanding between the alliances yeah. which is why they scan your boarding pass yeah so that they can bill per passenger or something yeah cross like charge something or, yeah. yeah i'm sure that there's there's some implication because if your lounge is so, is, is that good and so so popular. Yeah, and we got there at about 11 o'clock in the morning, so they were just switching between breakfast and, and lunch, but it was still the same. That small first-class area with the yeah. very comfortable chairs facing those floor-to-ceiling windows in the corner overlooking the tarmac and the runway, that little pocket of gates by uh, at, at T3, so which we immediately snagged. Sadly... They don't have physical newspapers anymore or physical magazines. Oh. I used to love grabbing a copy of the yes. South China Morning Post, but they do have press reader and you can grab it all in there. It's not quite the same. Yeah. But yeah. And then the, the restaurant, which is table service, uh, was, is still there. The menu looked fantastic, but we actually went around into the business class lounge to the noodle bar. I was about to say that's the most important. Because that weirdly, and actually not weirdly, that was almost empty. There was nobody in there. Huh? Oh, because I think, yeah, of what, of what the point say. I just made, where the, the, yeah. everybody's in their respective lounges for their flights because they don't have access to the first class lounge, and probably one assumes that if you have gold or emerald status, you know what you're doing, and you're the kind of person like you and me who's going to research. I was that, that was lounge. my, yeah, that was my inkling. Yeah. If you're silver. And I'm not here, we're not dissing people who are silver, no. but you might not have looked into all the options every time no. you go to an airport. No. And so the the road warriors are going to have that expertise and that interest to, to find these, these spaces. And actually it was, I think maybe at about half past 12, the first class lounge emptied out as one of those flights. I think I'm fairly confident it was an American Airlines flight, but uh, Megan really got a kick out of you know, being able to order the 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 famous dandan noodles and the dim sum and the fried rice, and we we really nice. enjoyed it. And the staff there, of course, are really kind of friendly and fun and and engaged. And it just we had a lot of time before the flight, 
And I said, look, do you want to go and see the other lounges that we can get into? Because there's four. (laughs) (laughs) There's the Cathay Lounge, there's the Qantas Lounge, there's the American Airlines Lounge, and then there's the BA Lounge. And I said, what? Let's, let's, you know, let's go and have dessert in the Qantas Lounge. Amazing. So we go to the Qantas Lounge and uh, with the intention of not coming back to, to, gathering up all of our stuff and you know we'll go to the Qantas lounge maybe we'll I haven't been into the admiral's club in in London so we'll try that as well maybe just poke our heads in there before we go to our flight and the the Qantas lounge pre-pandemic was very good it had a reputation for excellent food and a very interesting design two floors bright and airy well lit felt like a hotel like upscale hotel lobby Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm And the chap that welcomed us into the lounge was very friendly and polite and kind of told us what was going on. But when you go into it, the lounge itself, it's, it was a shell of its past life. Oh. It felt like a lot of the furniture, furniture had been removed. It lacked all of the character oh. that it had. There was only like four people in there. There was no oh. dining. Like, apparently, they only do... Uh, f- ordered food in the evening now. There was a very sparse buffet. Um, the wine and um, selection was not great. And it was, and wow. I'd forgotten how crappy the views were. So it was, we kind of <laughs> did a circuit and, and I just thought this, this is yeah. not what it used to be. And, and the, there's no point in hanging around. Let's go. And Megan said, yeah, why this, this looks kind of not as good as the other place. She's trying to be as diplomatic as, as possible. So I said, let's go, you know, the, the American Airlines Admirals Clubs in the U.S. are getting better and better and better. And I'm quite a big fan of them, even before yeah, the TA huh? one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I said, let's go and check that out because usually, they're usually pretty good. And sometimes they have kind of like American candy or whatever. And we go in there and... Immediately, I was like, oh, we've made a huge mistake. <laughs> we've made a huge mistake <laughs> by setting, or I've made a huge mistake by setting the bar with Cathay. Because while the lounge in isolation, the Admiral's Club in isolation, is perfectly functional and acceptable, yeah. it felt like the lobby of a suburban leisure center. <laughs> it was very tired and oh, God. not great. Oh, yeah. God. And we didn't even bother with the BA lounge because I've been in there before and it's a low ceilinged, dimly lit crap. I agree with the low ceiling. I, of course, clearly, it's nothing to do with the cafe, but it's not the word. I mean, you can sit there like if you, you know, it's pretty long, you know, you can walk, 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 mm. walk, walk, walk. So you can hide in its That's corner true. at the very end and have some solitude. Yeah. It, it, I think it's I like that. I think you're right. And I think every time that I've been in there, it's this was pre-pandemic the last time i was in there it was very busy because uh it's when jow operated out of there and a few other airlines operated out of there so it was constantly really really busy yeah but it it made me realize just how good that cafe lounge is and i'm happy because i have a year of access to the business side of that business class side of that lounge silver, yeah. which is still exemplary yeah, I love it. Uh, yeah, both are very good, actually. They are, and like you say, maybe the business will be less busy at times because people that know will flock to 
the first knowing that they can. And I don't know. Yeah, no, I, no. Wow. I just to for context, I've read that uh, Qantas is investing a lot. I mean, they are being they currently investing in you know, a post pandemic. They're investing in aircrafts, in service, and ex customer experience, etc. And that includes the lounges. And the lounge at uh, Ethro will be refurbished. Mm -hmm next year and they will even open a first launch like a separate launch for first class customers that's of course because of their upcoming flights that will take for 45 hours yeah. to go direct to australia yeah. <laughs> so they probably will, would like to pamper you before you sit on a flight for 17 to 18 hours so let's see they might actually re-improve back to maybe not to the level of cathay but that uh, they will the the people that have been to the refurbished lounges in Australia by Qantas tell me that they are great. So hopefully uh, Heathrow will also get one that is great. One or two, actually. Yeah, I, I think it, it's deserved because it, when it opened, it was yeah, I remember very well re reviewed, and I remember going in there after it opened and being incredibly impressed. Same. So I think it's a sh it's a, it's a shame that it's kind of dropped that, and that actually that was my fear of what the Cathay Lounge was going to be like that that because their flights to and from Hong Kong have been reduced so greatly in the service generally that the lounge product would have also deteriorated, but that absolutely was not the case. Which is testament to the quality, because imagine maintaining the service and the quality and the expectations whilst basically having had no flights forever, well, basically almost like no flights forever, still having very due service, and maintaining the quality, keeping the investment, keeping the food, keeping, you know, the service. It's, it's testament to Cathay Pacific to have done so. Yes, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, wow. I saw, I was very impressed and I'm, I'm glad I will still have access to a part of that experience for at least another yeah. year uh, beyond Good. that. But the, the nice thing about where those gate, that lounge is in comparison to the rest of the gates is a very short walk to our gate. Mm -hmm. to a oh i don't even know how to describe it <clears throat> chaos oh there was no i don't know if you can recall but the, the t3 has these long piers of gates long yeah. narrow piers of gates so there's not a lot of room to do separate boarding queues so they didn't correct there's no there's no, no group one, two, three. Four. I know exactly which gate usually you fly from at Heathrow with BA to these destinations, and they're the worst because it's like it's very narrow that bit. It's very, yeah. There's no way to do anything. You get in, you do a uh, passport check and, and boarding pass check, and then you go into a holding pen, uh, quite yes. similar to Gatwick. But what, there was no group to get in, uh, group lines to get into the holding pen itself. Whatever, that's fine. But people were pre-selecting themselves to not exactly. participate in the queue <laughs> and trying to get past. And, you know, we're, I was group one um, uh, with a gold card and all of that. And I didn't, Did I was very British about it and just gave them a withering look. I didn't say anything because what, what the hell was I going to do? We're all going to the same place on the same stupid airplane. Yeah. But it became very obvious this was going to be a full flight. And I'd looked on expert flyer and it was rammed, completely rammed. I... One of the unwritten gold benefits on BA is they'll block the seat next to you in economy if capacity yep. allows. No chance on this flight. Yeah, yeah. And they were making everybody in group four and up or down, depending on how you, how you want to describe it, as they checked their boarding pass, 
that you had to give them your carry-on bag to be checked in. Oh, wow. So there's no- it, was, it was not optional. They didn't do the, can we please have some volunteers? It was, if you're in group four through nine, eight, <laughs> give me your bag. Wow. Yeah. Well. And so, we, you know, we were, we didn't have to do that. We didn't have bags to check in anyway, or we didn't have wheelie bags because we were just going for the weekend. But what plane was it? 320? It was a 320. But what this did was because they were having to print out the, the baggage yeah. tags for every single one, it slowed everything down immeasurably. So the queue, the, the pace of the queue to just get into the holding pen, pen was glacial. <laughs> You'd think maybe that they would have had one person go to this person. They're going to print you a, a bag tag. Those of you that don't have wheelie bags or are in groups one through three, come to me and just get out of the way and let's reduce this queue. No, of course not. They were both doing the same thing. Uh, and then the, the PA announcements were very, very quiet. You couldn't hear a word anybody was saying. So there was confusion about whether people needed to give their bags or not. So that was causing cues and, and, and problems. And the people said, I don't want to check my bag because I've got a connection. So it, it was a repeat of this chaos that we've both commented on in the last few episodes about BA's boarding process being just chaotic. There's no consistency. There's no protocol None of the, and I think again it comes back to this institutional knowledge that's just evaporated during the during the pandemic. When we boarded, it was very obvious that that we were going to be, um, it was going to be a scrum, <laughs> and the the woman kept saying very quietly on the PA, "We board strictly by boarding groups." However, there are sixty four passengers in Group One. Oh, there you go, sixty four passengers in group one that's what we've been saying for a while especially post pandemic too much that status means no status because how do you how do you deal with that how do you and and i'll i'll, I'll come on to it as well because actually i think it answers a long-standing question that we've had well we're not going to recognize 64 people that's for sure <laughs> exactly yeah. so when you when we boarded 64 people plus the 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 chancers who try and go in on their group eight boarding pass. And interestingly, there was a thread on flyer talk just this week about this chaotic boarding process and how people okay. are noticing it, not just at Heathrow and Gatwick, but also at outports as well, especially in North America. And they've compared it to American who they say have it down to an art. And there's a respect. There's the, the main difference is if they have called group one, and you try and board a group through, they will kick you out of the queue and say, yeah. no, we're not. Yeah. Board. We, the BA yeah. will not do that. Yeah, They'll just be very British about it like I would have been and just given you a withering look. But it, it really slows down everything. I know. It just doesn't work. I agree. And so when, when, we, when we boarded, there were 12 rows of business class. Which on the Madrid, the Madrid flight is not unheard of. It was like that pre-pandemic. I was about to say, yeah, capital cities. Capital yeah. cities. And it also, if we look back through the fog of COVID, there were wide bodies operating this route for both Iberia and yeah. BA at least once a day. I remember I was, that's why I was, I was always going on a 777 yeah. when I was commuting is a big word, but 777 or the 340 from Iberia, yeah. I think was... Because it was like cool, I can go like on a two-hour, like you know, you know, wider seat. Blah, yeah, blah, blah. exactly. And and so that has been squeezed down, probably not to the same amount of 
flights available per day. So there's a there's a capacity push. So 12 rows, and then you get back to, and even if you if you think okay, everybody, all 48 of those passengers would have been in group one mm-hmm. by definition, and then you would have had the balance of that 64. Uh, our gold card holders or or one world emerald. So maybe we could say there's 30 people who were BA gold, maybe 30. They're not going to go around when they're trying to do a tight yeah. turn and say, thank you for your custom. Thank you for your custom. Thank you for your custom. I, I can understand that. Yeah, on a short haul. On a short haul, yeah. it's just not going to happen. Maybe no. your GGL. Maybe that's the kind of person you go, if we're, we're going to do it, but I'm, you know, we've discovered that, yeah. that this is a, procedural thing that they are proactively not doing anymore i i always had less issues of any airline not doing it on a yeah, short haul because short haul i just want let's go there that's come on let's, exactly let's, let's, let's take off let's get there it's an hour come on we're crammed in like no sardines flat. i don't need to be recognized when you have yeah. 12 rows of business class it's just i <laughs> I, I don't care i don't mind yeah we it was, so we, we we're boarded. It's rammed, completely rammed. They're trying to get all the, everybody in the overhead, not every, people in the overhead bins, but bags in the overhead bins. And there's a delay, creeping delay, creeping delay, creeping delay. The captain came on once and said, we're being delayed because there's not enough baggage handlers and cargo loaders to get the stuff on board. Come on. They're, they were waiting for them to come for, from another flight. And again, we've talked about this. This, this. That's not a BA thing. That's something that BA have to endure like the rest of us. Yes, yeah, Heathrow. Well, yes and no, because some of the operations on the ground are also BAs owned. Yeah. Right? So because, you know, Heathrow is a pretty, here, it's not you. I'm not lecturing you, Alex. For blues, especially in the US, uh, Heathrow is a purely private airport. And you have lots of different handling companies, you know, the, the usual Swissport, Nata, etc. So a lot of stuff has to do with Ethro, but also some of the stuff has to do with BA's, you know, subsidiary. So it, it's complicated. I'm not here to lay blame. I'm just saying, yeah, but yeah. But Ethro has clearly also a lot of blame on their hands. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. And then they were waiting on catering because there was not enough catering drivers to get the catering on board and it was oh, come on and we by this point we were an hour late that's crazy and i'm thinking we are are we really delaying a two-hour flight by an hour for catering yeah that's crazy this is but what i think what bothered me and even megan noticed this was the captain uh i believe it was the captain came on and made that one announcement and then there was nothing for an hour no no communication that's bad yeah it was for, and i'm just looking out the window and i'm seeing the cones still behind the engines. We're not yep. going anywhere. When they, yep. the only way I knew was a the excellent flighty app, which you reminded me of, of. I love that app. What our status was. I was getting the information way before uh, it was being given to us as a flying cohort. <laughs> but it was it it really was representative of the state of BA at the moment. That that before we even got in the air. And of Heathrow. Yeah. I'm going to, when I'm going to go to my story at the end of this podcast, I'm going to tell you basically the same thing. It's uh, actually IAG and, of course, BA have uh, I've warned, you know, they just announced their results mm-hmm. for 2022. They made like some profits, blah, blah, blah. And they said that they were worried. That's the term they use for Heathrow's preparedness for the summer. And yeah. they're probably right. I'm not here saying. I'm talking to IAG. Don't just say it's just Ethro because also you guys. 
it's clear that Ethro is is I don't know. He, he, you know, Ethro. You remember how and everybody here listening could go those some of the, some of you have been listening for a while. If you don't, if you really want to listen to old podcasts, you can. We used to say that Ethro was at capacity, 99%, the most at capacity airport to runway in the world, you know, the usual. Mm -hmm. And that was the reason it sometimes had these hiccups that didn't yeah. work. And now you're like, you're not at capacity. You're like, at, I don't remember the number was 70%, whatever. You're not at capacity. You have less airlines, less flights, less ops, and you still cannot freaking make it yeah. work. So at some point, you got to stop the music and say, Ethro, that's your fault. Yeah. So hopefully the new CEO, you know, the, the, the CEO left, there's a new CEO, I think they're hiring. I hope he will, she will come and kind of, you know, shake it up a little bit yeah. because it's, there's no more excuse at some point, you know, like any, and, and even the, the whole understaffing, which I understand, it's been a year now, mm -hmm. right? I mean, the, 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 especially in the UK, the, we didn't have the last lockdowns like some countries had in Europe. So the, the, the real post-pandemic restart was, end of 2021 at le or at least March, 2022. And we are in March, 2023, and we're still talking about understaffing and not enough drivers and come on guys. Yeah, it, throw, it's, on. it's infuriating. And I think the airlines, you know, BA were very polite about that because they know, as you say, that some of this is on them, but airlines like yeah. Emirates, Tim Clark has been very vocal yeah. about how crappy. Yeah. He said yeah. the airline, the airport is badly run. Yeah, and not respecting its customers exactly. Yeah, and I think it's it's a hundred percent that. Uh, and and uh, and not not to preamble what I'm going to say, but anyway, you already said it in other podcasts. Compared to Gatwick, which I flew from at Emirates, Gatwick works. Yeah, they have they live in the same country, the same constraints. They have actually less money than Heathrow. They have only one runway. They also had understaffing issues and whatever. It works yeah. comparatively. It works. So at some point, Ethro has to kind of stop yeah. just pointing fingers at others and saying there's issues and issues and issues. The issue is maybe you. Yeah, <laughs> just look at a mirror. I think I think it's I think it's true. It it's oh. it's frustrating, and as you said in a message it to is. me, it's an embarrassing as the capital airport that it's it's so badly run. And I thought that maybe I was just being you know a little whiny, but then you go on and you read articles and you read a flyer talk. It everybody's having the same experience. And when it works yeah. well, you're surprised. Yeah, which shouldn't <laughs> shouldn't be that way. You should forget yeah. about an airport. Exactly. I mean, not forget in a way that you don't care, but I mean, if it's so blissful that it works so smooth, and blissful yeah. is not the right word. That's how it should yeah. be. Yeah, and we're clearly renting right now. Sorry, guys. <laughs> well, but but now it's the opposite. Yeah, it's 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 now the opposite where yeah. when it does go well, you remember it. Yeah. But. Yeah, you know, right. the, the the flight itself is so BA have moved and completely to a buy on board system. Okay, so you get a bottle of water and those sour cream and onion pretzels, but they don't then do a a run through the cabin with a cart where you can buy things. You you log on to the Wi Fi and you order the thing. So if you oh. don't know that that's the way it does it you get to top of descent and go where I was going to buy a coffee. You die of thirst and hunger. Yeah. Well, yeah. Which <laughs> I was thinking about this on the way because it's great. Cause you can browse through it and you can order your thing. You put your seat number in and they pay and they bring it really quickly. I've done it in the past and it works really well. They've clearly done the maths and said, we have one less cabin crew. Cause there's only five cabin crew. Yeah. We've, yeah. we've got one less cabin crew and we're pro it's probably 
we're making more money doing this than we would if we tried to shill going up and down the aisle. And I'm, I'd love to see the, the numbers on that. But did they, did they say it? Did they announce it? Once they said, we'll do the Speedbird Cafe. And if you want to, you've got to log onto the Wi-Fi and order it. But for most of the two-hour flight, the cabin crew were just standing around and talking at the back of the cabin. Yeah, I agree with you in the sense that when, you know, it happens, especially on EasyJet or probably Ryanair, I haven't flown them for a while, but, you know, they tempt you. Yeah, when you see exactly. the, the tray, the, sorry, the, the trolley, you're like, I was not going to have anything, but you know what, I might have a latte. Oh, and oh, the little Pringles exactly. there, you know, the, the small thing. It's merchandising. It's classic merchandising. Yeah, and it works, right? Whereas if I have to log on, plus, come on, sometimes logging on these Wi-Fis and airplanes is getting better. Yeah. It definitely is be getting clear, better. But it's not... Sometimes it's still a freaking pain, yeah. and uh, and I'm I'm not trusting you know here with IT stuff anyway. Yeah. But uh, meaning it has to work. You have to know how to do it, and th- but you have to have this. Oh, I'm really hungry now. Or I'm yeah. really thirsty now. Or I really want a, a coffee because I have a meeting afterwards. Otherwise, for two hours, yeah. I'm just gonna wait. I don't mind the process because same. It's quick. Uh, it means that there's not a trolley blocking the aisle for an hour of a, of a two-hour flight when people need to use the restroom. Yeah, so I can, from a passenger experience perspective, I actually I think it's a it's a it's not a bad thing. Yeah, it's fine. But they could make more money, maybe. I always do that. I always say I'm not going to buy anything on EasyJet, and I always buy something. Me too. Me too. Always. And it'll be interesting to see because they don't have Wi-Fi. So if if eventually they move to that model, but we landed like an hour late, and. Into freaking forest. <laughs> I like Madrid Airport because you see lots of, you know, oh, I haven't seen that airline in a while or a Latam 350. Yeah. That's that's a beautiful airplane and a beautiful livery, and you park it up right next to them and all of that stuff. So you see all that stuff. It's cool. Yeah. And then I was thinking, like, crap, we have to get through all of this. Then <laughs> downstairs, all the way downstairs, get on the train through immigration. The last time we were here in June, it's really busy. They're still doing these, those, co- oh my gosh, we're, I'm just looking at my watch, looking at my watch, looking at my watch. The airport was empty. And so the immigration, there was nobody ahead of us. And of course, you, we don't, being British passport holders, don't get to go through the gates anymore, which is fine. But it yeah. is to get from the airplane at 4S land side in Terminal 4. It takes a long time, even yeah. when because it's the the physical distances. Yeah. <laughs> as the as the, uh, per, the FT journalist mentioned, they're just gargantuan. I didn't get yeah. lost this time. I did not end up in Narnia, <laughs> and uh, we got an Uber. The Uber the Ubers go out of uh, the parking lot, yeah, multi store pa- parking lot. The arrivals area was overflowing with people. Wow. Just uh, the reunions and tour groups and student groups and all, just absolutely overflowing with people. So trying to navigate through that when you're in a hurry was kind of an obstacle course. But made it to our train, got there, n- no problems. I had forgotten also on the way back, I had that Iberia Lounge in Terminal 4S. Yes, the Voila... What's the name? Uh, I can't remember what it's there called. I've been so many times. It's like near to the duty free. Yes. You, you, At some point you make a turn left and you, you go in. Enter. But to yeah. get there. They refurbished it just, I remember the tail end of 2019, yes. they started some refurbishment. It was a bit better than I never. Yeah. Back, this so. was the first time I had been back. I'd been once since the refurbishment. But to get 
to that lounge. You have to fight your way through Madrid airport. And I had um, <laughs> checked, we checked in online, hand language only, got our fast track boarding passes. And the fast track VIP security, which is not joking, brought to you by American Express. Now, uh, is, a, well, is a, at the very end of the security, like you go past all yeah. the security lanes, past the, some, a block of duty-free shops, you go around the corner. I scan my boarding pass and it says, okay, go through. Megan, who is on the same PNR as me, scans the boarding pass and they're like, uh, no, you don't have fast check. I'm like, oh no, she's with me. Like, no, it doesn't matter. I'm like, no, we're on the same booking and it says fast track. No, you can't bring guests through here. Oh my God. And I was like, I know for a fact that's not true. And you're fighting me on it. And I'm dangerously decaffeinated right now. So I'm going to walk away. <laughs> and so all the way back up to the security, which was just overflowing with people, busy morning flights. And of course, I scan my boarding pass to go through security. It's like, meet me. Passenger already boarded. Already boarded. Exactly. I was about to. <laughs> and so. Oh, God. I'm really starting to lose my temper at this point because the, just the way that they spoke to me at the first place. And so I just said to Megan, just go through. Cause obviously her, hers went through because she was denied at the, at the premium. The other. So I said, just go through. I'll, I'll see you in seven to 10 weeks. <laughs> I take it over to the security <laughs> desk and the chaps there were really nice. And I explained what happened and they're like, no, you should have been able to go through. And I was like, I know that. <laughs> go and tell your colleague but they fixed it they actually took my passport and wrote down my information oh. on a on a on a sheet a ledger along with everybody else's yeah i don't know what that was about no. but the security i don't know if you remember but the way that the security is designed is it's very you're talking the fast track here or you're talking the normal no i'm one? talking about just the the rows and rows and rows of, of people yeah, going yeah, through yeah, yeah. it it's very confusingly laid out so you can be ushered into a queue, start pulling your stuff out and realize that that belt's not working and you have to go out and around to an, the, the belt that's literally on the other side of you, but the way they've designed it. Uh, and there's not enough space for people to unpack their items yes. into the trays, yes. which slows everything down. That's I hate. You know, when the, basically the, you have one tray and then basically there's one meter and the, the x-ray is there. You're yes. like, why don't, this is why I appreciate about Gatwick and some other airports. Well, you have the, the, these lines are super yeah. long. Uh, yeah. So you have the time to do all, everything and you're not blocking because otherwise you're blocking. You can see that the person in front. Exactly. And that's, yeah, that's badly designed. It is badly yeah. designed. And I think it makes me appreciate as you say Gatwick even more. But uh, many airports have many, that. Uh, this you know, is not, not a Madrid Madrid issue. Yeah. And, uh, but it, a lot of people were getting confused and, and upset and frustrated. Um, at the system, but eventually we all got through. And as you say, into the Iberia lounge, which I had forgotten how good it is in terms of it's as a physical space, huge, long, nicely lit floor to ceiling windows over a, a, a big portion of the, of the airfield, lots and lots and lots of chairs, comfortable and little pockets of, of smaller areas as well. And food stations at, one end of this long skinny thing. The food was bre lounge breakfast. It wasn't phenomenal or anything like that. It was never, no. that was never the attraction to that lounge was never the food to me. It wasn't. The views on the Latam Dreamliner is always fun though. Yeah, yeah, that was nice. And they had beautiful, fresh, fresh fruit. And uh, 
I, I went um, to go find the restroom and there's like a huge queue. And I was like, well, this seems weird. What's going on? And it turns out there was no water in, in the bathrooms. Oh, come on. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, they were diligently fixing it. It's not the end of the world. Shit happens. Literally. Yeah. It, it really, yeah, it was. But, you know, that, that, that happens. That, that things break yeah. and that happens. And the guys were already there fixing it. That's like water off a duck's back to me. But when there is systemic problems with things, that's when I obviously get frustrated. Uh, weirdly, so I'm thinking, you know, I said, you know, the flight board's at uh, 20 past 10. Let's head down at 10 a.m. and grab, um, you know, a snack or whatever for the plane. And I look and they're like, okay, anybody in groups four and five, you're welcome to board. And I'm like, what, what the hell is going on here? So... They did have a separate queue for groups one to three. So we just walked into that and onto the plane, which was, oh, wow. again, absolutely rammed. One just so full. And we, the seat between Megan and I was the only one empty on the entire airplane. But they were tagging oh. everybody's bags with the yellow strap that says you must yep. place it under your seat. And they yep. really struggled to get everybody's car, uh, cabin bags on board. And people's, people's tempers were fraying. And this, I sat there and, and watched and just got really frustrated with my fellow human being because we learned nothing <laughs> from COVID. We, we learned nothing about, in fact, we became more uh, selfish, focused on ourselves. Every man for themselves. Yeah, maybe. You know, people were going back to the maybe. terrible habit, which I thought we had eliminated of, I get on board and I put my bag above 6A because there's a seat, there's a space, and then I walk back to my seat in 27F. Yeah, I know. I know. That's... That's um, come back. That always... And yeah. people were doing it and they were doing it shamelessly. And the cabin crew were just chatting. They weren't helping. They weren't intervening in and. And yeah, we bad. were starting to get delayed and people were losing their tempers with each other and not being patient while an old lady would wrap up her coat to put above. Okay. That's yeah, that's unfair. And it, you know? it, it really frustrated me to see it unfold in such a, these bad behaviors. It was bad behavior. And I know it was a morning yeah. flight, but it wasn't that early. It just, it made me, irritated and then the captain came on and said thanks for boarding uh on time we're just waiting for a few last bits of cargo and we're going to be gone by the way what? there's no water on the airplane so no teas and coffee sorry bye <laughs> and also the bathrooms don't work what man so the bathrooms yeah so they're like if you want to wash your hands we've we've put out a bunch of uh hand hand wipes but that's the best we can do. It was something about the pressurization of the water system wouldn't work. And again, it was a 19-year-old A320, and it was really showing its age outside and inside. The flight was easy, hour 55 minutes. We landed early, 25 minutes early because of generous tailwinds and leaving on time. When we pulled into T3, I was like, bet we don't have a gate. We had a gate. Off the plane in no time, through immigration in no time. Well, at least... So it worked and it worked really, really well. But it just, it, it really, the whole experience just made me thinking, this is not a flag carrier yeah. and this airport is not a capital airport. It just True. isn't bad. And I, I 
was dissecting it in my head and out loud as much as Megan would tolerate all the way home <laughs> and thinking, uh, somebody said, was it, you sent me a tweet of somebody, I think a, a prominent technology person, I can't remember who was saying. Oh, Benedict Evans. Benedict Evans. When he was, uh, he did two threads about the whole shebang about BNAA and how nothing works. It's the last thing I want to say because I'm very, very desperate to hear about your Emirates flights because... No, it's fine. Go ahead. He said that Iberia and BA ostensibly merged over 10 years ago, but their systems still are no in no way integrated. And I thought about that because True. it's been 10 years. I... They, this is absolutely what we should have expected to happen. When you put in charge people who ran shit airlines <laughs> forgive my language but it's true when you have gone to airlines that are by reputation bad iberia has never been called a great airline voiling is a categorically effing awful airline true that's one i agree yeah and you take the people that ran those airlines and you put them in charge of something i'm getting very upset about this Uh, as venerable as British Airways and expect anything but shit, then you're a fool. And that's exactly what we have gotten. Yeah, I agree. I would drop my microphone if it wasn't attached to a, <laughs> an arm. <laughs> and I know it's more complicated than that, but I don't think it's more complicated than that. No, but I, I mean, if you hire people who have a low-cost mentality, and this is not a diss no. towards low-cost, because low-cost is good. Absolutely. But if you you will get a low-cost and product which is what ba kind of went towards uh, over time yeah and i mean we've had that discussion even before covid i mean covid accelerated some of this uh, perception and 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 damaging uh, image of the product but it was there already you know, alex cruz was there we're already talking about the rit we're already talking about some of the decisions that we're making and uh yeah i don't know and yeah I don't want to rent either, but it's... Uh, yeah. You can't bring somebody from a low cost... And this is this is not just an executive leadership. It's not even just in the C-suite. It is throughout upper management where they've taken... You know, uh, the only ex exception to that is the current CEO of BA who came from Aer Lingus, but he hasn't yeah. been in, in post that long. Yeah, he seems like a good guy. Yeah, he does seem like a good guy, at least at the very least amb yeah, really. amb ambitious ambition to restore... BA to where it used to be. And if you look in the 80s and 90s at the leadership of that airline, they were all from, for better or worse, legacy carriers. And so they, it ran like a legacy airline, again, for better or worse. And then yeah. the shift of, of priority changed in the noughties, post 9-11, again, understandable, post financial crisis, again, understandable, but something, and I know I'm not alone in, in, in this, but Maybe I think my enthusiasm for this is rarely eclipsed, but something has to change. And I am not sad to be losing my gold status with BA. No, I get that. I think and then we'll move on because the discussion we can have at every episode. Yeah, no, I know. That's why it feels like a broken record. But I think at some point there was this discussion, discussion that Air France was having back 10 years ago. Should they split? between a longer operations, which would be premium, and a shorter European operation, which would be basically competing against the likes of uh, Ryanair, EasyJet, Whirling, Viz. And of course they couldn't do it, you know, especially because of a lot of um, labor pushback. So there were even strikes. So they never really did it. I don't know the extent of it. I don't know the full history, but the idea I get, because it's true that at some point you would say, 
the image of glamour and service that I want, and we said it ourselves, even including today, is I want and expect a good service or even to get recognition when I fly long, medium to long haul. On a two-hour flight or on a one-hour flight, yeah. it's okay. Just have it organized yeah. so it's not chaos, yeah. right? And I think that, does that mean that they should separate and call it BA Europe and BA, I don't know, maybe not, but I'm, I'm saying the, expe the expectations do not align anymore with what we expect it to yeah. be, and I don't have the history of you, and of course even more other people around us who've, had, who've known BA, not only through what it represents in our head, but also because they've flown it in the 90s, yeah. in the 2000s, even before, obviously, but I think they just don't know what they want to be. And that's the worst. Decide what you want to be. Yeah. This, it's, and it's for every brand, every product. If you know, if you decide what you want to be, where you want to go with it, just go. 100%. And some of us will not be happy because we'll be nostalgic about what it was and we're not happy what it is. But at least we'll be, okay, that's their decision. It seems that the messaging of BA is all over the place. They want to go back to being premium, but at the same time, they're not. And we're like, I don't know what they're yeah. doing. And that's create confusion and then creates the kind of anger, the likes of anger that you just, anger, maybe so over, that you just uh, had. Yeah. Because you don't know what, you don't know what your the other person is. You're like, who am I talking to here? Right? No, no, you're right. And it's all context. It's all context. It does, Obviously. I, I think it's, it's easy to dismiss what I'm saying as, well, you're, you're still going on holiday. You're still going to all these places. I know I'm in a freaking tube and I'm flying. Amazing. That's never lost on me. No, but it's still, you wouldn't say like, you know, if your iPhone was crap and the customer service is crap, well, you can still make phone calls. <laughs> the, the promise has been established in the heritage of the brand. Yes. And you have a duty yes. to that brand to live up to it. Yes, yes, yes. But that's the thing. The brand doesn't know where it is and what it is today exactly. and what it wants to be. It wants to be everything for everyone or nothing to no one. And you're like, make a choice. Just make a choice. It's not clear. Yeah. And thus, we're all confused. And every single person who flies BA has a different expectation of what BA should be. 100%. And that, that creates that whole mess that we're in. So, yeah. Before we move on, the butter. What did I say about the butter? Megan saw something about the butter. At oh, the God. <laughs> yeah that they were they would basically recycle it like if you didn't take the use the butter on your tray this is on long haul they would take the butter and put it back in a basket to redistribute <laughs> redistribute which seemed not okay i don't know maybe if hey you know what them up i said earlier i don't like food waste so <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, she said, did you notice on our last BA flight, they collected everyone's unused butter packets and put them in a cup when they collected our tray. Do you think they're going to reuse them? And I said, well, now I do. <laughs> Soil and green butter is people. <laughs> I feel like perhaps you didn't have that on your Emirates flight. No, just one word about Madrid before we move on. Madrid, we've basically talked about T4. T4, I think the design is amazing on the T4 normal side yeah. of it. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I love it with the wood and the, this roof and everything. Mm -hmm. T4S, I mean, it's a distance more than anything. So T4S is one world and, and Iberia operations, like basically long haul and including the UK because of uh, non-Schengen, et cetera. Um, one, two, three are a bit all over the place. Uh, that's where you would end up if you fly, for instance, EasyJet. The thing is, um, I have a memory that in 2019, I think they wanted to 
bring a sense of cohesion between one, two, three, and four in terms of design. So basically bringing one, two, three into the design of four. I have no idea now post-COVID, but still, for me, it's not my worst airport. I don't like 4S, but it, it, it can be okay, especially if you land at the right location in an airport. It's, it can be an okay airport. Mm -hmm, but it, mm -hmm. yeah, it should be better. And I agree with you that the, the staff at Fast Track I always have bad memories of staff being a bit rude, um, even though, you know, I, nothing like you was not. Um, the system says no, no, the system said yes, but even though the system said yes, I never found them very welcoming. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only downside. But anyway, it's not a bad airport. Look, oh yeah, I just wanted to say, Oman Air is joining uh, One World. I missed that. That's uh, exciting. Yeah, apparently they're joining One World. And there's a rumor that they will also join a Avios, like Air Europa might join Avios too, of course, because now Air Europa has been finally a stake has been bought by BA or IAG. That's fantastic. Yeah, Oman Air is an airline I really want to try. So they were not part of any alliance up to now, which is, uh, I mean, good for them. I'm hearing they do a lot of investing in the product, so it could be fun. And to your point, yeah, that's the one I want to mention. Guys, uh, non-stop down on YouTube, I put a video about a review on of BA. Yeah. I mean, there's so many of these. It does pretty nice reviews, actually, overall, if you watch. I'm not really someone who watches a lot of these reviews. No, me neither. There's two things that's me with this video and you, you, the, the video is basically uh, basically don't fly BA so you, you cannot miss it guys it's on his <laughs> but there's two things he said the first thing he says for an airline that is so storied and so you know known there's very few reviews of BA online and he's right he is right not that many people are interested, which also tells you something. But basically, the, the review goes for a pretty normal review when actually a lot of the good stuff about BA is being acknowledged is a long-haul product, so the BA Club Suite. And then the last 10 minutes of the, of the video is the clusterfuck at between BA and Heathrow, and is exactly similar to the lines of what Alex has been describing. And he ends up by saying, why would you fly to Heathrow at all? Yeah. I mean, unless you go to London. And I do kind of sadly agree. Watch it, you might disagree, you might find him ranty or not. I think he has a point that there has to be a wake-up call both at BA and Heathrow. Yeah. And this is why I chose uh, to go to Gatwick. <laughs> uh, so, no, to be frank, the reason I chose to fly from Gatwick was because first I had a budget from the client, I wanted to fly business class, the price are horrendously expensive, so I was looking up upgrade options so and i looked at the seat map of the same 380 because they own 380s service from both airports there were more free seats mm. so that's why i decided to go to fly yeah, very smart at the end it was not a choice of airport though it became one uh, by the way for those who don't know the prices are almost exactly the same they're usually like a seven to ten pound difference for a flight from Heathrow or Gatwick. Gatwick will be seven pounds less. So it's really not a big difference. No. It's the same price. The first thing I'm going to mention, because I, I told you already, Alex, on many times, but last time, once more, because it feels like we're in 2023 and this is the only airline when you can do it easily. You check in on your app and you can change your seat anytime after you check in. It seems so easy, doesn't it? You're not locked into a seat. But maybe it's not easy. I don't know. Yeah, they're the only one who do that. That's really cool. But you know, Gatwick, the same article that Joe Elliott, journalist, wrote about Madrid, there's this sentence she writes later. She says, crappy travel expectations do make it all the more exciting when finally you reach somewhere in which everything just works. Mm. 
Well, Gatwick, everything just works. Yeah. You know, I go there, I arrive in the morning, it was in the 9 a.m. service, I arrive a few hours uh, before. The security, the space, the automation of it, the layout, just everything works. And at some point, you know, I've had that bit like I still in my head kind of, oh, Ethereum, I should choose Ethereum because Ether seems more premium, but yeah. is it actually more premium? You know, sometimes I ask myself the question, or is it just that, and I'm going to include myself here, do you, I want to be a posh wannabe, and I see that, oh, no, the plebs are going from Gatwick because there's EasyJet. I'm flying from Heathrow because it's important. And actually, you know what? It doesn't, no, it doesn't work. Gatwick is, for me, the better airport in London. Yeah. That's it. You've heard me in the past saying that a bit. Now I'm, it's just, sure. Yeah. There, there are some long walks, but I mean, you just mentioned there's some long walks at T3, at Ethro. There are some, the, the walk from T2A to T2B at Ethro, it's just horrendous, you know. It's long, yeah. It, it is funny because I remember at the, at the very beginning of the opening of T2B at uh, Ethro, 10 years ago, guys, they were telling us, well, we're going to we're going to install a train. At some point, you know, these kind of promises have to go somewhere. I understand that COVID happened. I understand that they have had limitations of whether or not Heathrow can build a third runway. But you don't just say stuff and just let nothing happens. The Terminal 1 that sits there for nothing. The Terminal 3 that's not being upgraded. Anyway, Gatwick is a better airport. I had really a, a good time there. The lounge of Emirates is... Is it bigger? Maybe is it bigger than the one at Heathrow? It doesn't have the same quality of views, but it's a nice lounge. It was rather empty, which is very rare. I, I was thinking, will my plane be empty? There's no way. Usually they're completely full. The only tip I'm going to give you about that lounge, uh, Emirates Lounge at, at Gatwick, if you queue for the coffee machine, it's like, why? There's always so many people queuing for the coffee machine. Just walk, you go on the right side, just keep going where the windows are until you arrive at the opposite end of the lounge where nobody goes because, you know, people kind of tend to cluster to the big area of any lounge. That's where the business center is. There's an additional coffee machine that nobody ever uses because there's nobody there and then you never queue. And it's only like a two minute walk. So that's my tip for you if you ever go to that lounge. There you go. <laughs> um, so everything, you know, again, I walk there. There are 380 gates, they're always the same at, at Gatwick. I walk there. It's not a long walk. It's unlike what you just said. There's a line for business gold. I go, I show my my thing, there's no one, I get there immediately in the flight. It's really, you know, I, I, basically I don't think mm -hmm. about it. I enter the flight, I sit in my usual 23A. This time the Emirates flight compared to my last experience is fresher, it's still 2014, 2015, but it's not the oldest uh, Emirates product I could have. When I was sitting there, I was like, I'm curious, are they already the refurbs? Are they already there? Mm -hmm. And I learned that there's only one or two. The first one was rolled out in Jan end of January. We're now beginning of March. So these, the new refer program, only now they're coming into line. So I will end up flying one, but it's not the case. The crew was amazing, particularly smiling and fun. You know, we said something about the anticipation of flying in a 747, which we don't have anymore. I mean, you might do that Palma, you know, Frankfurt to Palma. <laughs> The only other aircraft I have really that feeling is a 380. And I was so happy, you know, it's not a business success compared to the 747. It's not as iconic, it's arguably ugly as an aircraft to look at, but it's such a great airplane to fly. Oh, I agree completely. And it's huge. And it has this promise of long haul. And I'm so happy that I've flown it so many times. And once more, I was about to fly it. So I'm, I was really happy. I, I sit in my 20 another tip 23 a's the small cabin at the very end of the upper deck just before the 
very famous and iconic bar. And I like that because it's smaller. It's not because it's closer to the bar, guys. It's just because it's smaller. <laughs> I like it. And 23A is a bulkhead. It's slightly more space, and I kind of like it. The only downside to that seat is that because there's a bulkhead, you might have babies around you. And usually I never had babies just because out of sheer luck. Not that I dislike babies, obviously. This time I had one uh, next to me. So in 23, what would it be? A, B, C, A, B, I think it's C because they, they discard one seat. Um, and clearly it was Greek because I heard, of course, the parents being Greek. And as a Greek, I'm not sure that he would already say Malaka, but it would be loud. And I was right. He, very, very loud. But you know, and yeah, I can, I can get away with uh, Malaka because I'm Greek, so I can say it. <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, toddlers are the future of humanity. So without them, there's no use. So I'm never complaining about babies. I was having fun with him, like making like gestures and whatever, because, you know, there's no door. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was fun. And, uh, and then, you know, when you fly, you have your headphones and you basically don't hear. Um, the thing is, I turn on the other side and I see the window. And there's three other babies. The three other babies were 321s LRs from uh, JetBlue. And I was happy to see three of them, man. Three of them at the ground at the same time. The operations is ramping up. Yeah. They do two, two JFK and one Boston. Phenomenal. I was very happy to, 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 to see that JetBlue is uh, ramping up in, in Gatwick. And, of course, they are also at, uh, at Heathrow. Anyway, then, um, and there were, there were also a few Titans on the ground, clearly. You know, I was going on, on Plane Finder. I know that BA is hiring a lot of Titans lately. Um, yeah, EasyJet, too, use them. Uh, and then we are off. Everything, you know, that's the thing with Emirates. Everything works. The supervisor come, comes in the flight. She's so good. She, she's not scripted. I mean, she knows her sentences by heart, probably, but it's just so nice. And it's nothing, you know, over the top. Just they're, flying, they're talking to you very casually while still recognizing that you're gold because I'm gold and I've actually been renewed by, by Emirates. And it's just very welcoming and very warm and very, you know, light. It just works. And BA, what the heck are you doing? Um, you know, everything works. I have really nothing to say that is flight. It just worked perfectly. One thing I'm going to say, however, on the IFE, it's still good. You know, the IFE of Emirates is like sometimes almost confusing. So many things mm. going on at the same time. What I'd like, and that's because now we've been used to... Um, We've been used to streaming services. You know how it is when you start any kind of show and you have this skip mm -hmm. to skip the intro. I must have seen that before, and that's every airline, but Emirates before every show, whether it's a TV show or a movie, they will show you a bit on Emirates and their entertainment system and how great they are. And I must have seen that five million times. By the way, I know exactly in a TV episode, I need to go through two minutes, 58, and that basically means the end of that bit and I can start the show. But can they not just have a skip button, guys? Yeah. Emirates, if you're listening, can we have a skip button? That would be pretty <laughs> nice. Anyway, um, I arrive at uh, Dubai. I'm still a bit confused at arrivals at Dubai because it changes every time. This time, I could not use the e-gates because I had luggage. And I'm like, I don't know. I just don't understand. So I had luggage in the hold, not luggage with me. Whereas last time I had only carry on only. And they didn't allow me to go to the e-gates I had to go through. That's interesting. I don't know. It just doesn't make sense. It, it still worked. It was fine, you know. So meaning I just don't know what the, what the procedure is there, actually, because it changes every single time. As in every airport, they have, like, new cameras to take a biometric picture of you. And as in every airport, it's too low for me, so I need to crouch to have my pick <laughs> being taken, which is always a very nice sight, I guess, for the guy in behind me. Anyway, uh, they gave me a... 
one gigabyte free SIM data. Yeah, when we went through, um, when we came back from the Maldives, yeah, they 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 yeah. gave us that at immigration. This very stern faced woman gave us a they're very stern always passport stamp and uh, a gigabyte of data, which actually quite useful. Yeah. No, but it's nice that you do that. I mean, I had it. I already had a plan to, so I was like, oh, so I haven't used it. I'll keep it for next time. Anyway, in Dubai, was fantastic. My, my same conference I go every year, Step. I visited the new public library. I mentioned that because I think Mark, our friend, the pilot, Mark loves public library. Mark, you should try it. You should visit that new public library. It's very nice. It's in a, in a kind of secluded area, which, you know, it's now being built. It's, it looks like a book. What I really loved is on both sides, you still have these old shipbuilding yards. Oh, wonderful. The building ships in wood. Oh, the old dows, yeah. And then in the middle, you have this wonderful new public library, super modern. So this contrast mm. was, was really, really nice. And also visit the art district. If you guys like art galleries, all circle is really, really nice. Anyway, then to the return, I will say that Dubai, because of the choice of colors of the airport, you know, there's a mix of red and blue and it start to age a little bit. Mm. I think it needs to have a little bit of a refurb as well. You know, certain airports choose colors that are very neutral and that usually they stand the, the test of time longer because, you know, if it's neutral, it's going to be neutral in 20 years. I think Dubai should think about maybe putting a little bit of paint there. I don't know. It's, you know, the usual 6 a.m. and it's super cramped because a lot of people, the flights are leaving. Everything works fine. Another little gap I'm seeing, I'm going to... The Concourse A, which is my favorite, uh, with the business class lounge, which is an entire floor, as you've been as well. Well, it's been 10 years, it's open, right? And it's still great. It's still one of my favorites. But you can see their gaps because you can see the same way you mentioned yourself earlier about the Qantas lounge at T3. Uh, there are shelves that are empty. There are... Um, you know, stuff that is there that makes no sense and is like, it's not abandoned. Is it because post-pandemic? I don't know. It just feels a bit mm. weird. It's not fully there. It's still super great. The, uh, the food is nice. The, the, the crew is nice. Though I, I suspect there's less people, less staff than before. But it's, um, yeah, it's 10 years and it's, it's showing a little bit uh, that it's 10 years. It's really funny how they keep telling you when, I don't know if you experience that, when you enter a, the lounge there, they say, this is a silent airport, so do not expect... Yeah. Um, um, announcements only that in an hour and a half i was in a lounge probably has been 15 announcements of like this is an exceptional announcement for missing passenger of flight ek so you're like basically yeah it's a silent so only that everybody seems to be missing their their flight so they're making announcements every 30 <laughs> seconds um the 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 Maya, Maya craft is also a 380 on the way back. It's nearly nine years old. Actually, I had flo flown it already in because I always checked, you know, the tail number, so I knew oh, I've, nice. I've flown that one in September 2019, actually. Um, and that's where I want to talk about recognition because, of course, that's their hub. So it's ca their capital city, their hub compared to Heathrow and BA. I enter the flight, and when I give my boarding pass, of course, on the boarding pass, it says gold, and they say, welcome back, just call me Paul, they smile. I go to my seat, 25A, because 23A this time was <laughs> taken, so 25A is not bulk up, it's really nice as well. And within the first 20 minutes, I was recognized thrice. Three different people came to me to my seat in the first 20 minutes. Unreal. One with the first drink, so do you want champagne or apple juice, whatever, she knew, oh, welcome back, and she did a little spiel, really nice. Number two, 
Uh, I remember she called. She was called Nadia because she was, I think she was the person, the crew that was um, taking care of our cabin. She came to explain that we would have today a different sequence for food. So if I wanted to sleep first, meaning it would not be breakfast as always, as usual, it would be lunch. If I wanted to sleep for two or three hours before the lunch, I could do that. She explained me that, and all the while recognizing my gold sta- status. By the way, I'm, I'm, I cannot re- remember a different sequence. Does that mean that they changed? I don't think it makes a big difference economically to go from breakfast to lunch is not really cost cutting because it's the same right they have to still load a shit ton of stuff in the aircraft i don't know man uh, anyway and the third is the head of the cabin a pursuer i don't know how they call it at emirates she comes and says please share anything with us before we land good or bad of course we hope it's not bad but do let us know i'm always here and at the same time i'm thinking oh shit did she listen to layovers when i was saying that there were gaps on emirates last time <laughs> Anyway, and all that in the first 20 minutes. And uh, and then that's four recognition in total. And then during the flight, the head of cabin, of course, came back twice, went to say hello. And another time, one hour, the same one that asked me about my experience, one hour before we land to say, how was my flight? And I know I don't know. I'm not the only gold member on that flight. And they, they did the, the effort. And it was very nicely done and i'm like again what the hell are you doing ba and the plane is completely full because that that that, that route from dubai london to dubai dubai to london is crazily oversubscribed man it's crazy right oh, it, yeah it feels to me that they've done the drinks order with status starting with status I, that's why they probably have this little iphone in their hands mm-hmm. and i told you last time it seems to be pretty random i think they have some kind of order and maybe they started drink orders with the, the gold or platinum which is even above me and then me I'm not sure. It was a great flight, great food. And again, I don't have anything to say, especially because I've flown them so many times that it feels like a home to be uh, when I fly Emirates. Of course, we land at um, Heathrow because that's I chose to fly to Heathrow. And honestly, I should have chosen Gatwick. Mm. We land and there's no gate uh, and uh, no gate for 10 minutes and then 20 minutes and then 30 minutes. And the captain is like, ground cannot give us an update we don't know when we're going to have a gate. So we wait 45 minutes and there's still no gate. Anyway, I don't, you know, anyway, I, the same, I said it earlier. What are you doing, Ethro? You didn't work where you were at capacity. You don't work where you're not at capacity. As uh, Sunil Karkara at Glucode said uh, on Twitter, Ethro works hard to disappoint. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. And then, you know, I finally ended up going out. Everything went okay, as as it does when you're finally out of uh, the airport. I could actually see the, you know, every time I'm baffled with the operation of the chauffeur, you know, so the, the, the cars, I could see the iPad of the guy, like, uh, dispatching all the cars with the passenger coming. It's quite an operation. And that's what I'm going to finish this podcast with, because we're slightly over time. Yes, there are gaps and I mentioned them last time, and uh, it was not this time, because this time overall it was a great experience. And I keep repeating it, and it may be sad for people who were starting listening to us recently, and they say, well, Paul is talking about Emirates, but doesn't really say anything about Emirates. The point is, Emirates is absolute consistency, mm-hmm. and consistency at scale. That's what you get at Emirates. And that's why it's sometimes so hard for me to remember what happened on which flight. Because literally every single flight is very consistent to the other one. I mean, I had the little gaps last time. I told you the seat didn't work and it was an old aircraft. But you know what you're going to get and you're going to get it. And it's very, very rare to being able to keep that promise on such a huge 
network. So again, yeah, there are gaps. There's no doors on business class where now everybody has a door. They keep like stubbornly keeping their old triple seven business seats, which is like two, three, two or whatever. Yeah. But the, you know what? They know. They fill their planes. They know what works with how many seats per aircraft, and they deliver. They deliver, they deliver, they deliver. I mean, you can fold them for a lot of things compared if you like go on the nitty-gritty or like I just said, the type of product, the type of seat, but it just effing works. And they have the 380. Yeah. And to me, that's the reason that I will keep trusting them. And, and you know what? I'm thinking, and it's going to be my finishing thought, I'm thinking sometimes, is Emirates a bit like Apple? You know, like when you think about Apple, everybody's telling them, why are you not doing a folding smartphone? And they're not doing a folding smartphone. But the day they're going to do a folding smartphone is going to be the best damn folding smartphone ever. Yeah, 100%. And that's exactly maybe what Emirates does. It's like, yeah, you know what? We're not changing the seats on the 777. We're just refurbishing the current seats on the 380. Because the day, maybe that's with the 777. Who knows? But the day they're going to actually introduce a new product, and that's the same with the premium economy. They waited and waited and waited. But when they introduce it, it's probably one of the best, if not the best, new premium economy. Yep. When they're going to introduce a new product in a few years is going to be the best one. 100%. And it's going to do it at scale. And that's what Apple does. They have a new phone and they sell 80 million in the first five minutes. <laughs> well, Emirates has the same ID. They have like, yeah, the day we're going to do it is going to be consistent and it's going to work at scale. So consistency at scale is admirable and for that i still congratulate and i will always congratulate emirates um and i'm gonna keep flying them there you go beautiful <laughs> i don't know if it was beautiful well said and i couldn't agree more with that it's impressive why would you yeah when it's good and you want it to be consistent and that's that's what they've nailed and it's just good yeah yeah exactly so alex i know that um they, we went a little bit over time because guys you didn't realize we had a little technical a technical glitch on my end yeah power surge or something it disappeared in the editing yeah the power surge is because you're the flash <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, so where are you flying next new york oh yeah of course yeah why am i asking and that's in uh like a week or something uh, a little over i know a week tomorrow yeah shit. <laughs> oh god i'm so jealous are you staying long are you staying for a few days or? uh yeah four or five days oh my god i'm very yeah. jealous so after that we'll come back with probably the episode will be about gfk ta this time yeah yes i'll do a little bit more digging Exactly. <laughs> I don't know when, uh, I don't know, yeah, I had a flight, it was postponed, maybe canceled, now it's back, I don't know, so I'm not going to say anything, maybe I'm going to, I will have flown this month, maybe not, which suits me if I don't, uh, or it's going to be next, so I don't know, we'll talk about it, I don't want to spoil the decision, because if it happens, it's going to be very different mm. if it doesn't maybe another day exciting <laughs> and uh, on that i'm gonna play the end credits which are already here. yeah I, guys i know what alex is going to fly in the us and i'm so in i want him to explain and i want him to review it i i, I want him to see if he's gonna like it or not <laughs> no, no, I'm not going to say anything. No, no, nothing more. Nothing more. Nothing more, buddy. I hope you. It's not going to be renty next time. No, for I know. I'm sorry for that. <laughs> no, don't. It's cathartic. Okay. No, I, don't I think, think I need to talk about BA anymore. When we love, that's when we actually are more angry. Exactly. Yeah, we love BA, and by the way, I think it's overall. We love these airlines, so we're we don't want them to fail. We don't want them to keep sucking. Absolutely. Right. Exactly. Bye, guys. Happy flying. Safe travels. <laughs>